You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 112 for Monday, the 16th of April, 2018. My guest today is Meg Cowley, the USA Today best-selling author of the books of Caladan, the Relic Guardians and the Morgana Chronicles. This is the third time I've interviewed Meg for this podcast, and if you ever wanted to see a roller coaster author journey, this is it. When we first spoke, Meg was riding high on the crest of the adult colouring book wave. The second time we chatted, that market had collapsed, and Meg was pivoting her business so that she could survive with a severely reduced income. In this interview, I'm delighted to report that Meg has just had her best sales month ever. However, as I was soon to find out, it hasn't all been plain sailing. I began by asking Meg if she finally feels that she's cracked this business of being an author. Goodness, no. Don't be daft. I feel like I know a heck of a lot more than what I did this time last year. But I, God, there's just, there's just so much to learn. It's a constantly changing field that you just basically have to try and keep afloat of the best you can. So, yeah, no, I, I'm absolutely not complacent or arrogant enough to think that I know it. <laughs> Now, when we spoke last time, well, this is the third time we've spoken. First time we yeah. spoke, you were kind of doing really well with colouring books. Next time we spoke, yeah. you were in the doldrums and you were kind of pivoting. That was really the, the key word. Yeah. Um, and you were going from drawing uh, the drawing books, the colouring books, yeah. pardon, to designing covers and sort of sure. creating sustainable income. Yeah. And then now yeah. you've just had your best month ever, which is fantastic. What a great time to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, as per usual, um, never a dull day, which <laughs> I think sums up the life of an author it's yeah it's it's an amazing it's a, it's been an amazing month for you so yeah what what's 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 changed what's changed from this kind of incredible low to this high um well i guess do you want me to go into ha- what happened last year because there's sort of a lot of backstory really it, it's like it's like a saga it's like an epic saga isn't it let's let, let's i know let's just speak magic and dragons <laughs> in and write this let, let's start with where we left off which was you were yeah where did we be? you were doing covers <laughs> you were starting a cover design business oh and, yeah yeah and then you were kind of getting back to your fiction because you'd left your fiction for yeah. the coloring books Yes, I had. Yes, which was foolish. I should never have left it. Um, yeah, so I, I went back to my fiction, relaunched the first two books in my epic trilogy and finished the trilogy off with a third book. I also wrote a prequel lead magnet um, and I managed to launch pretty well and um, make a four-figure income out of the gate. And I had no idea how I did that. Um Well, I kind of had a little idea, but I, I really didn't know enough about the ins and outs of of it all to know what I was doing and how I was doing it and, and most importantly how to keep it up <laughs> which was quite problematic um but I was really happy with the relaunch for the fiction and it was like great I've made the right choice I've gone from this area coloring books which just isn't going to sell to fiction which is is showing me because I'm earning the royalties that it is financially sustainable it's viable it's a great career choice so I was really um quite taken aback by how well that went and I was quite happy thinking oh great I've got it made it it only goes up from here 
But um, as we know, it does not. <laughs> you, you can't just publish a book and expect it to sell, unfortunately. And had some um, personal issues at the time. I ended up um, basically just before the, uh, just after, sorry, the launch of my third book in hospital, life-threatening condition, really traumatic. And it kind of took months to recover um, by which point my books had tanked because <laughs> I hadn't been advertising them. I just didn't have the time and the energy or, or anything. Um, and it, it felt very much like I was back where I'd started, which was really, really frustrating um, watching it all drop off again. The other thing um, I want to ask you about, Meg, is co-writing yeah. too, because you were doing some co-writing. And I, I'm always a bit jittery about co-writing because I'm mm. nervous of working with other people. So how did, how did co-writing oh. work for you? Um, so yeah, this is another part of why last year was just completely off track. So um, I ended up co-writing with someone that I've known for quite a lot of years, and it was just a really fun project that we dreamed up. We'd, we'd sort of talked a bit about co-writing a few years previously, but never really done anything about it. And we came up with this really cool idea. So we thought. I mean, I still really love it. It was a super fun project to write, but it just didn't take off. Um, I think analysing it now. We didn't really nail the marketing and um, we didn't really put enough into the launches. Um, we didn't really understand the market well enough. So it was it was possibly always doomed to fail, but it was a really, really fun project um, and a huge, a huge learning experience. And I probably won't co-write again because of what I've learned as, as um, odd as that might sound having say I enjoyed it because it's just not worth the, the work that goes into it and um, unless you've got the right partner and the right books and the right marketing strategy I think. Yeah I, I really struggle with co-writing I hear so many people saying this is the way to go this is how you get more books out but I, I kind of see I see all sorts of dragons and dangers mm. there um, yeah. uh, you know that that um, imbalance of work um, this yeah. kind of uh, when I write my own books I just get on with it I don't have to ask somebody every time mm. um, it's di- it's dynamic when I write my own book so um, and you get 100% of the reward as well yeah well that's the other thing you see I don't like to share the royalties that's the other thing mm. <clears throat> yeah so that was frustrating I mean sharing half of peanuts is is frustrating <laughs> especially when especially when you've had to put in all the Time and the effort, because um, I, I was managing the production side of things as well. So I was doing the writing and I was making all the ebooks and, you know, everything really. So that was quite frustrating. Um, yeah, we, we thought the same. We were just like, oh, wow, we're going to co-write an urban fantasy. Co-writing is the next big thing. Urban fantasy's hot. We're going to make so much money. It's going to be amazing. So, yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> ended you- up... Uh, because you co-write, you're you're kind of married yeah. now, aren't you? Do you have to pay split royalties forever now, don't you? Yeah, oh. forever and ever and ever. Ah. It's uh, yeah. We actually just switched um, switched to because I was paying her monthly, but we literally earn so little from it that it, it's just a case of paying quarterly or six monthly now because it's just such small amounts involved. It's not worth the admin time. This is another thing to think about that when you you know you, um, you can earn royalties off a yeah. uh, a, a mm-hmm. book for seventy years is it after your death? Yeah, that's right. So unless one of us buys the others out, then yeah, we are joined up the hip. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always say to people about co-writing, I said, you know, marriages don't last as long as those <laughs> as those relationships. So um, you know, you've got to really um, until somebody comes up with something that allows yeah. you to just sort out the payments, which is 
frankly mm. what we need really isn't it we need something that does that yeah no absolutely it's um it's one of those if you get on great with your co-writer like i do it's it's a fantastic and fun experience but from a business side of, of things it is very complicated um one thing that i've learned since that happens in other co-writing agreements that i've seen is people put a time limit on it so you know there's a seven-year agreement like acx um and you can either renegotiate every seven years or you know it just continues if you don't um so that's potential to to consider but we of course didn't put that in place for our contract so unless we were to negotiate a new contract it would just stay there are some different options now i think appearing and sort of challenge that acx model which is good because i would quite like to move into audio but it's just not viable right yet i I don't know enough about it and especially the the seven-year contract terms a little bit wary about that because seven years i mean if you think how much changes in just one year right now in indie publishing where on earth are we going to be in seven yeah and i i just paid i just paid a fortune to to, for a voice artist and kept kept all the rights and have the lower royalties because i I wanted to experiment with it was absolutely no way i'm signing the rights away maybe i'm just greedy i'm like Gollum with the ring perhaps but uh uh, I, I, I don't want to share it because (laughs) things could change it might take off it might fire oh yeah and then i'm going to regress it yeah, to be honest, I only know one author who who has done the royalty share with the narrator and has done really well with it because the narrator is actually taking on a lot of the marketing and promotion of the series as well. So it's doing really well. But instead of just doing the work and getting the reward, the narrator's actually putting in quite a lot of hours as well. And it, it's a really nice partnership for both of them. And he says, that I would never not work with this narrator on a royalty share now for the series because he does he just puts so much enthusiasm into the whole process but no one else i've talked to seems to have had that um experience yeah and they would say go with buy outright but it it is you know i I always liken co-writing to marriage but it is like a a good marriage (laughs) you kind of have both got to take a bit of the load haven't you and if if, you do and that's what makes it last and if somebody's taking more of the load if somebody's not bringing yeah. same or you know or more to it um it's, it's yeah. probably not going to keep going yeah no i totally agree yeah totally agree right so i, I still haven't been convinced to co-write then that's good that's just it's, just, <laughs> it's confirming my prejudices about co-writing yeah, I've, I've not found a good opportunity to co-write yet i, I don't think um yeah i think this every, every arrangement has work work to do really so you you kind of I spoke to you in the doldrums. You had a little bit of a peak there, and then yeah. we're, we're we're sort of back soul searching again. So so what yeah. what was the kind of struggle? Was it a struggle about whether you're going to be an author, or was it about how you're going to be an author? Um, no, it was never never a struggle about wanting to be an author. I think it's it's more just this notion that society puts in our head that to be a functioning adult you must earn money, and if you're not you're not earning money, then what you're doing is not worth doing. And, of course, you have highs and lows as an author, and when you're not earning money, it is really, really hard not to beat yourself up about that because I was working, you know, full-time hours or more than what most people would work full-time, and I was taking home less than what they would take home in maybe a day or a week, and it's like, that's really annoying. (laughs) So um, I ended up going into cover design, um, which was a way to sort of use my art skill set again. And that was a really good earner. But again, that was frustrating because I was spending so much time on cover designs and that was taking my, me away from my writing. So as much as I was loving doing the illustration, 
still wasn't really getting anywhere with the writing and I was feeling sort of torn in two and yeah it was it, it made a, a livable wage be, you know between the two of them between the writing and the, the cover designs but it was getting quite frustrating and you know trying to figure out well actually what do I want and how do I get there because it feels like I'm spending so much time trying to keep the plates spinning that I, I really <laughs> I don't know don't know how to get from you know A to B. The um, I'm going to put your mind uh, at rest a little bit with that. I, I was at a crime writing conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I spoke oh, to yeah. a traditionally published author who told right. me that she had earned over two years of being traditionally published. Wait for it. Oh, ten, God. What? £10 in the first year, £3 oh, in the second year. Goodness. £13. How? £13. I said, look, you could flop your book out on Amazon, and you'd make yeah. more than that. You know, just day. sitting there. Yeah, just sitting there. I, I couldn't Asking believe your it. friends and family to buy it in a day would literally make more than that. That, that is really, really sad. <laughs> it is, isn't it? And But it, it just yeah. shows that that slavishness Gosh. to being trad published. And, and I, you know, I always say, I know that for some people, trad publishing can work brilliantly, and I would never rule oh, yeah. it out. But that's really, that's almost, um, I don't know, is it Stockholm Syndrome? Um, you know, yeah. be, being happy with £13 just because you're, traditionally published well, it's like it's punishing and it? it's terrible it is punishing it does it does depend entirely what your motives are you know if you want the recognition if you want the validation go trad pub you know but don't expect the money bags you know if you want the money go indie because that's where the money is <laughs> it's a clear choice you know it's yeah I, I guess i earned more than a lot of trad pub authors but it's still not a sustainable living <laughs> yeah. the, the, the other thing i wanted to just um i i try and avoid um, customers as much as possible and uh, when you're talking <laughs> to, and I, I mean i mean this in a nice way but customers are a pain in the butt and um uh, I, the customer's always right though no that's, they're not the, the customer's usually wrong and um <laughs> and because i i, I it, <laughs> in my self-publishing <laughs> journey years ago i started building websites i learned very quickly that i hadn't got the patience with customers messing around yeah. and i bet yeah. you had a lot of this for your book covers you know oh, no, that's the the pq's yeah. not quite right and, and yeah. all of this nonsense and and the thing yeah. is it's hard to feel like you've made any money out of it by the time you finish yeah. messing around yeah <laughs> yes i have some clients and they are a dream to work with it is a case of Here's the stock. Yep, love it. Great. Oh, I like that piece. Yep, no problem. We'll use that. Okay, go for it. Right. Here's your finished draft. Love it. Could you tweak this? Perfect. Done. Oh, you're a dream. And then other clients, it's can you change this? Can you change that? I don't like this. Don't like that. Oh, yeah. Totally get that. Yep. But luckily, most of my clients are on the the end of the spectrum where it's really easy to work with them, and it's almost like a self-selecting audience as well. You know, I'm. I'm getting clients who come to me because they want the kind of cover that I do. So it's it's naturally a more enjoyable project to work together and it flows better and, and there's less of that discord. But, yeah, some clients are higher maintenance than others, shall we say, I, which I, is always to be expected. I have people because I, I, um, I manage all of this now um, so I don't have to work with clients. Uh, um, and... Uh, <laughs> But because because it's a pain, I have people asking to work with me all the time with the corporate stuff that I do. I'm just not interested. Mm. They must think I'm mad because. Um, <laughs> by the time they've squeezed you, you know, and, and done yeah. all the changes, it feels like yeah. there's no profit in the deal. You're so worn out by it. You'd either have to charge yeah. them such a great price. Actually, but well, this is it. Mm. I either charge them a huge price so that I feel like there's yeah. money in the deal, or or mm. I just don't want the work because it's just not worth it to me. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, it's it's really hard to balance that out with cover designs to try and pick because you you kind of have to set a package cost, you know, rather than having bespoke prices because people like to be able to see up front what it's going to cost them and what they're going to get. So it's it's quite difficult to work out a price that's going to be fair for all clients, given that some have a little bit more work and some have a little bit less that, that goes into the front end sort of negotiations. And because that's where the, the most time consuming bit is um, in terms of variance. You know, some clients, it might take half an hour to agree a concept. Other clients, it might take over a day, you know, of solid man hours of going back and forth and back and forth and. It's, it's trying to balance that out. It's really hard. I reckon pre-maids are the way to go. I'm trying to get my son, who's very artistic, to do pre-maids because it's like, well, look, like it or lump it. You know, buy it or don't. Go somewhere else if you don't like it. You say that, but then you've got to find the audience for it. You know, you've got to bank on the fact that you're creating the cover that someone else wants. I'd love to do more pre-maids. You know, I, I did some. I finished some off last week and. They have been so well received, and people are like, "Oh my god, they're stunning! I love them, I love them!" But no one's bought them yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's again, it's you can do all that work, but you might not necessarily sell enough of them to make it justified. Which again is really hard. You know, even if you're trying to hit all the the genre trends and things, you know, you still might not nail what the author who's passing at that exact moment needs in a cover. So the secret, and you've alluded to this already, is not to have real-life customers, but is to sell thousands of digital products where Amazon take all the pain uh, with the customer service, and we just take the income. We do the work and take the income. So having had your thinking time, what was your new game plan to create this basic livable income? Uh, Well, I kind of got pregnant, so the game plan went out the window. Oh, you're so clumsy, Meg, honestly. I know. (laughs) So congratulations, by the way. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so in um, in a few weeks, I have a little one arriving, which has kind of taken the plan of this year, scrunched it up and chucked it in the bin. Um, but that's fine, you know, we, as often as we thrive on change, whether by Amazon or our own hand. Um, so it, my plan really is to get back to writing and doing what I like. So I've scaled down the covers um i might start it up when i finish maternity leave i'm not sure it'll be something i hope i do for fun rather than needing the income um but for for the books i really really want to focus on that core epic fantasy audience and that's what i started last year that's what i really need to build on you know no diversions into different genres no co-writing no side projects just keep it simple and do the same thing if it's working keep doing it you know build your audience and so I've I've got some strategies around how I'm going to do that and um yeah I just need to find some time between a newborn baby and being really sleep deprived to write all the things well you might get a good one you might you might get one that's very regularly see so fingers crossed really hope so yeah, I keep, I keep telling, I keep telling the bump. I'm like, please sleep, please sleep. But you know what they're like; they they do what they want. I had I had um, somebody the other day, Emily Burnett, who's also pregnant at the moment, saying that she yeah. because she works alone, um, that yeah. the baby's going to be more familiar with my voice and Joanna Penn's voice than it is with her voice. Um, oh gosh, that's a really good point. Yeah, <laughs> so between I'm, yeah between you, Joe, Mark Dawson, yeah, we're on the podcast all the time. So I reckon um, Emily's. <laughs> baby's so first words are going to be paul's podcast diary or something like that that's what i reckon <laughs> no no it will, it will forget mommy or daddy it'll be amazon 
Kindle <laughs> ebook. It's quite a funny concept, really, but she's got yeah, a point, hasn't I'm, she? Yeah, I'm fully expecting this child to pop out a fully formed, functioning, and top-notch indie author. Anything less, I'll be very disappointed. Yes, its first words will be, "Have you tried Facebook advertising, Meg?" Obviously, yes. <laughs> Now, the thing that seemed to really move the needle for you, and I was watching this yeah. play out on social media, and uh-huh. I, this is something I am interested in, a collaboration I am yeah. very interested in, is multi-author yeah. box sets. Now, tell yeah. me the story of this, because this is, this is interesting. It moved things on for you, didn't it? It did, and it was yet another diversion from the plan. Yeah. So um, back to the fiction, then off to one side for the co-writing, then off to a very, very different tangent for the cover design, and then vaguely back to the fiction, and then before I knew it, I was off on another tangent doing a multi-author box set. And it, it was to hit the USA Today bestsellers list, um, and, and New York Times bestseller list, but we didn't make that. That was that was a really, really good project to get involved with. It, um, I suppose it, it really, really destroyed any hope of progress on my own books last year. But what I got from it was was so valuable in terms of working with other authors and marketing practices and also the just the USA Today bestseller tag, which is, is a really, really good marketing um, asset to have, really. Um, it, yeah, it was a really, really good experience. And for as much as it diverted from what I was wanting to do, I felt it was really important to do it. And, and I don't regret doing it. It was it was a gamble that paid off, thankfully. What are your key takeaways from it uh, in terms of you know, learning about marketing? Um, I think just being really creative. So there's plenty of box sets out there, and I'm, I'm sure that you'll have seen some of the, the politics and drama surrounding them, that you can, you can basically buy your way onto the list. So if you give away enough copies, you can get a place on a bestseller list, and that's not how we did things. We had quite a low budget, and we basically – it was money or time, you know, you have to spend one or the other or both. Um, and we did both, but we focused a lot on giving our time to to as many different creative strategies as we could to engage with readers, you know, get our pre-orders up and then get the sales on launch week. And we, we actually found that a lot of what we did got copied afterwards, which I suppose is a good thing because it means we were doing something right. Um, but, yeah, that, that was really interesting, just learning to think outside the box. You need to turn that into a product. You could turn that into a lovely, you know, the multi-author box set experience or something. Uh, uh, it would go very well. No, nah, I'm not really a non-fiction person. Like I say, I don't want any more diversions. I just want to stick to epic fantasy. But it was great. I made some great friends, worked with an absolutely fantastic team under two great leaders. And, it, yeah, it was, it was a really, really fun, though very, very hard and tiring experience. I won't do it again, but I've got that tag for life now, so I kind of don't need to, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've got a little asset there now, haven't you? Which you. Is great. Yeah. Do, yeah. Do, next, next up, New York Times. <laughs> do you make any money from a box set, Meg, uh, you know, to speak of? Uh, yeah, we made a bit of money. I, I made back my buy-in, so, which, and it wasn't, it was a list-aiming box set, not a money-making box set. So there's various different box sets out there that all have different purposes. I've been in lead-generating box sets, Um some work better than others. You know, I've obviously been in the, the list aiming box set. I've not been in any money aiming box sets, but you know, you can make money from box sets. It just depends who's running it, how good they are, who's involved, you know, it, even down to 
having well-targeted authors in it, you know, so I'd never, I'd never do an anthology with sci-fi authors because what's the point? I'm not going to get any weed through, you know, that customer base isn't transferable. But if I did it with maybe a group of epic fantasy authors, that might be a, a good, a good opportunity to do a lead generating um, box set that might benefit us all with mailing list signups or a money-making box set that might help us all with a little bit of income and we get you know our customer base is cross-pollinating things like that there's there's various different approaches you can take to be honest and can i just ask you also how did you find the people who who ran that project where did you get involved with them i'm actually got invited in which i kind of can't believe my look um I, I, just a, a lovely author um invited me in completely out of the blue she said you know I'm working on this list in box set and um an author's dropped out and they really wanted someone who was hardworking, creative a go-getter didn't matter if they didn't have a huge audience or, or you know they, they weren't making tons of money um she wanted me to see if they you know if you'd be welcome and it was like well I kind of fit all the boxes for that and I was like but you know this sounds a bit, you know, are we really going to hit the USA Today bestseller list? And, you know, am I not just chucking money away? Because at the time it was it was a sizable amount of money to, to invest in this box set that I wasn't guaranteed to get back any money and I wasn't guaranteed to get a USA Today bestseller status. So I ended up going into it thinking I'm probably not going to get it, you know, the USA Today bestselling status. However, from what I've heard about this set, I think it's going to be really good creatively and, and you know, for my business practice. And luckily, it kind of came with a full package. I got the money back. I got the best-selling status. And I learned a lot. But, yeah, it was completely chance. Well, that's another thing to congratulate you for. So we found we found two very good things <laughs> to congratulate you for. And um, <laughs> the, the other thing that seemed to pop up around this time was you yeah. growing closer to the 20 books to 50K team. What, what, how did that yeah. come about? How did you kind of get talking to them and get involved with that? Um, I have no idea, to be honest. I, I, I speak to quite a few of them in various little, there's like 20 books to 50K and there's various little offshoot groups as well. And you just kind of end up moving in the same circles as people, I guess. And I heard that Michael Anderley and Martha Carr were doing this really cool new universe called Orisaren. And I was like, oh, that sounds like my cup of tea. Um, so I just messaged Martha and just said, um, Hi, uh, I'm an author. Uh, I, li- I like your universe. Would you would you like a new writer? And crazily, she just went, "Yeah, all right. Let's set up a Skype chat with them. Um, you know, you, me, and Michael, and we'll we'll have a chat." And then I ended up getting involved into that universe and writing for them. Now I've interviewed Martha for this podcast, and when I yeah. saw Martha speak at the Twenty Books London event, yeah. she's the only person who's made me feel that I might ever consider co-writing because I liked mm. Martha I thought you know she sounds like she knows oh. what she's doing and um would yeah, be good she's to work so totally with. lovely she's like the Oris she's like the mother of the Oris Aaron universe she's really nice yeah it came, it came over uh, like that too <laughs> so so were you did you did you start to write for 20 books because I know that plans change wow. you've written for them have you yeah um I ended up writing a whole book and binning it um, it just it just wasn't working. It was more of an urban fantasy, and I just had this gut feeling that I wasn't really enjoying it, and it wasn't you know supportive of the core business plan that I was starting to realise that was important, which is you know really supporting that epic fantasy core readership and, and portfolio. Um, so I ended up binning that, and they were really understanding. 
and then I ended up writing a high fantasy instead, which has been an absolute blast to write. Um, but I, I ended up finishing the first first in series. It, it won't be published. I've with the baby coming along, I've basically had to take a step back from that. Um, just being realistic about having you know what time and energy I do have. Um, so I can't quite manage that as a project right now, unfortunately. But yeah, it's been it's been really fun. So you step back from twenty books. Does, can you take the book yeah. with you and and you know having done made the effort? And can you uh, clearly there would be a few branded things in there presumably. But if, yeah. you, if you change oh, yeah. a few names and places, you're good to go presumably. Oh um, yeah, I, I guess I could. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't really talked talked about that with them. It was it was just a case of you know with the baby on the way. Um, I guess we'll come on to talking about this, but with my own books doing so well at the moment, I I don't have enough time and energy to focus on those two streams. I have to focus on one, and I, I have to pick the one that's going to support my family best, certainly in the short term and, and hopefully in the longer term, and, and that's my solo stuff right now. So they were very, very understanding um, about me taking, taking a step back from their universe. But, yeah, I, I suppose technically um, if you took out their intellectual property, then you could just use that book somewhere else but yeah as it stands the book has content that belongs to them like the world of oris Aaron and you know some species of characters and things like that so you've um, really got to be careful about stuff like that actually that's that's something that that we talked about initially was what rights do we both have so you know i own all the words that i've written but they own all the characters in that world and obviously the world itself so it's having that balance of, of different intellectual properties yeah, you'll just have to do a find and replace and all the trolls and things, won't you? And, and, uh, <laughs> there aren't any trolls in mine. Oh, I know yeah, trolls there's no trolls in mine. <laughs> no, no, there's, there's only one troll. <laughs> only only one. <laughs> I don't think any, any troll is going to come close to um, that particular troll, who I shall not name because his name is a bit food. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I know... Um, uh, Martha's selling a lot of uh, products around the trolls, so it's obviously she is. on. Yeah, it's, got, yeah, he's got a bigger following than like all his authors. How does he do it? Yeah, it's very, it's very good. It's it's amazing what they've done with that. Um, how did you get yeah. on? Uh, um, we all met up at Twenty Books uh, London. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah. I know you were very busy there because you were sort of buying prezzes for speakers and things like that. And uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, how, how did you find that event? Because I've been billing it on this podcast as you know the must go to indie author event of of in the UK. We won't see anything better, yeah. I don't think, than that. Did you think um, it lived up to that? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was the most energizing and exciting and completely exhausting event ever. It was it was amazing. It was just being in this completely supercharged room full of people who it basically our tribe, people who live and breathe what we do every single day of the week, you know, people who are at the top of their game just absolutely rocking it. And we got to actually, you know, hook up and hang out in person, which is amazing. You know, these are the people that we chat to every day in 20 books or the SPF groups or wherever. And to be able to actually hang out with them in person and talk shop, um, that's really special because let's face it, we have a really, really lonely job in terms of actually having face-to-face contact with, with people who do what we do. So to be able to do that was was awesome. Yeah, I met some of my closest indie buddies, and it was amazing. I yeah came home with just wanting to do all the things. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever had. I don't think I've been to any event where I felt like, and you, you just said it there, that I was among my 
people. So people who were yeah. aspiring to do what I wanted to do and had the same Absolutely. sort of work ethic and mindset that I have as well. Yeah. And and just to, just everyone was so positive, unbelievably positive. And, you know, the people who were at the top of the game delivering the speaking sessions, they, you know, they're telling us that we can do it and how we can do it. And, you know, they're coming and chatting with us on the coffee breaks. And it's just, where else do you get that? It, yeah, it was an absolutely great event, and hats off to Craig and everyone for putting it together. It was, yeah, I, I really wish I could go to Vegas this year, but um, new baby won't allow. But, yeah, hoping to get to Edinburgh, 20 bucks Edinburgh next year. Yeah, well, I can commute to that. Uh, it's only an hour on the train from where I live. So, if you know, uh, <laughs> it looks like the hotels are actually cheap, because I was wondering about the Edinburgh Festival, but it, it looks um, – yeah. They've got a really cheap hotel, so I thought, well, I'd probably go up for the two days of the conference bit, I think, for that. Yeah. It sounds good. It's, it's cheap too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know I don't know when it is yet because there was some talk of, are you going to move it because it's Edinburgh Fringe? And obviously that's that's a big clash cost-wise and whatever, but we'll, we'll see when it happens. And I really, really hope I can make it because if, if it's anything like 20 bucks London, it's going to be stupendously awesome. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good. Any Edinburgh in the north to... I love it when things are in the north. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Us, us northerners, we'll take any crumbs at the table, won't we? We're, you know, but anything yeah. that's in the north is brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. And now what a setting. I mean, Edinburgh, how cool is that? You know, I mean, uh, 20 Books London wasn't wasn't technically technically in London, London. You know, so to be able to hold it in Edinburgh, that that's pretty cool. I imagine um, all the international folks who come over will... We'll get a really, really nice Scottish welcome and, and get to see lots of culture and sights. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. Now, we, yeah. need to, we need to talk about how you managed to get to this 20K month because um, I, I, I will admit to being <laughs> confused. You've written sort of so many books now that I'm confused about what's the core series <laughs> and then how you've managed to make this this 20K. So can you just sort of strip it back for me and tell me how we've got it since um, right. January since yeah. 20K? <laughs> Yeah, so we've got um, the Epic Fantasy Trilogy, and then there's a prequel to that, which I use as a lead magnet. There's a box set to that, which I kind of threw up when I was really ill last year and didn't really do anything with it. And then there's the co-writing books and a first-in series that I used in the Marked by Fate box set. So pretty much everything but Caladan is not doing anything right now. So they're kind of off the radar is probably the easiest way to think about it. Um, so I, I ended up relaunching the the box set just to see if, if I could do any better. And um, it kind of really worked. So I'm, I'm having my best month ever. Um, I don't think I'll hit $20,000, but I'm not going to be far off. And that's really kind of life-changing money right now. Um, yeah, that it's I've made from this box set um, launching, I've, I've made more than I made in an entire year last year from my fiction so that's massively massively helpful yeah it's it's really good to have that money in the business isn't it and particularly at a time yeah. when you you know you're going to have to your life is going to be fluid around yeah. obviously the needs of the baby and how tired yeah. you are and maybe you know you just don't you just don't know what it's going to be do you when, when a baby comes. yeah and, and it was a huge source of stress thinking well i can't work on covers so i'm not getting that ongoing cash flow my books really aren't selling so there's not really any cash flow to speak of you know this this business is running out of money how how on earth do i proceed because i can't just magic it up out of somewhere to buy um, covers and buy ads and buy editing and all the rest of the stuff that you need as an indie author I I can't continue to finance it it was sort of a last ditch attempt to 
to make something work and I'd have been happy with a few thousand pounds, but luckily it's done a lot better, which I'm sure things like having, you know, building up my mailing list over the last year and having that audience ready, you know, building that network of authors and being able to ask some of them to feature me and stuff and learning a little bit about ads and, you know, making sure my product is polished, getting a nice cover. It's all these things just contributing. And I, I think it's just, that plus a heck of a lot of luck. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to let you get away with just that because I, 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 <laughs> I need to burrow down a little bit deeper. So ads, what ads? You know, what, what specific things have led to 20,000k of sales? Because, you, you know, you don't just change a cover and, and you get that. You've got to be push, 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 push to get that. So how have you pushed it? How have you got it in front of people? To be honest, is it's just taking the plunge and using ads because I've never really... um done them on a, on a scale before I've dabbled in bits of AMS I've dabbled in bits of Facebook and never really kind of made it work and this time it was just a case of do you know what let's put all the cards on the table let's let's take a risk you know I spoke to my husband and he was just like you've you've got to go for it it's it's one of those you can you can keep on doing what you're doing <laughs> look how well that's working or you can take a risk and go for it and it was like well all right, let's let's take a risk. You know, nothing to lose except my business. And hey, that's going down the pan because I'm going to have a baby in a few months. So worst case scenario, I have to start again. But best case scenario is I, I you know, I learn something and I make some money. So I just I invested as as crazy as it sounds. I just invested as as much as I could, and you know, I managed to get some traffic going to my book, which you know funneled sales funnel reads and then I was you know going up the rankings in on, on Amazon as a new release and that helps visibility and you know all these little things I guess help each other out I'm really really hoping <laughs> that the USA Today bestseller status helps too because I plastered that on the cover and it's front and center and in massive bold text on the Amazon product page um and I, I basically just launched the the, the trilogy in a, a single book box set for 99 cents as an experiment um i tried it at full price last year it didn't really happen and i've seen other authors do it really well at 99 cents so it was like well what's the worst that could happen it flops just like the last six books have done now i'm still not going to let you get away with that because i still haven't got enough detail so (laughs) (laughs) i'm going to keep pushing so 99 cents on a box set now i'm guessing that a lot of income will be reads yeah, so yeah, so that's that's the point. On a long book, you you want reads. Ninety nine cents as a sale isn't really worth a right lot of anything. So it's got um, nearly fifteen hundred Kindle. Um, what is it? KMP. I can't even remember what that stands for. But Kindle pages, basically, it's got about fifteen hundred. So if someone sits and reads the whole book, I'll get thirty five cents as a sale. But actually, I'd get over six dollars as as a read, and that's what's really proving. Um, I, I guess the money maker. So you've gone exclusive now. Um, you said you, you said generic ads, but I want to know yep. which ads. You said it AMS. Did you do Facebook ads? Were they lead ads or were they sale to sale? Um, so I've, I've just been doing AMS so far. I, I don't have the budget to do Facebook as well, but that's something that I'd like to experiment with in future. But I, I kind of it's. Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? You need the money in the business to invest. And when you've got a finite amount of money, you've got to try and funnel it to where you think it's going to work. So I tried AMS, um, and I'm, I'm just focusing on that. I think that if you advertise on the platform that is built for shopping where the shoppers already are, then you are going to have a higher success rate. 
than how, trying to get people off Facebook and onto Amazon. Yeah, I think that's a good point. How, how, how many ads are you running for that box set at the moment? Uh, on, on Amazon? I, I, just a few, to be honest. I've, I've kind of put all my eggs in one basket. Um, I don't... I, I don't really know how people generate thousands and billions and trillions of keywords. So I've just kind of gone with what I thought I needed. And yeah. <laughs> Have you used any book promo sites? Uh, no, no, not yet. Again, that's, that's something I'd like to do, but budget, you know, it'd be great to get a book, book but Hey, I can't afford that right now. And yeah. <laughs> now, hang on. Hey, hang on. I'm going to tell you off there, right? Like, let me tell you Bob. this, right? You can afford a book, bub, because you will make so much money from it. It won't matter. All right. Now, I, I can, I can uh, remember. It's the cash flow. It's the cash flow. Having the money to pay for the book, bub. This, this is a problem with adverts. Is you're, you're paying for the advert now, but you don't get paid for your royalties for like sixty to ninety days. So that's where the struggle is. It's investing. <laughs> it's investing the money up front. I mean, able to continue that until the royalties go in. So that's that's where I'm really, really trying to finally man- manage my budget right now, and um, just to make sure that I can actually pay for the ads <laughs> until the um, money comes in to continue paying for the ads. Yeah, I, I would just say find find the money for a book bub because you've got to try. You see, you've got you've got precedent, so you know that 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 shifts. You've got precedent. You've tested mm. it. Okay, so <clears> if you. If you stick through, I don't know what your yeah. genre will cost you. I think mine was 400 quid for a thriller or something like that, which I was very nervous about because yeah. I'm embarrassed. Was that 99 cents or a free? Uh, I went free, but it was I, right. it was a trilogy, and I made my money on reads and sales of books two okay. and three. But I also had this is my this is my top book book tip for when you get one mm-hmm. for when you do them. You must yeah. do one. Is um, I book I, I had two book box set versions, so I had books one, two, and three in a box set, and books two and three and they were priced in a way that made them attractive and i sold all permutations of units when i did that that's really cool yeah it's it's something i've considered but given that i don't have a book four in the series i don't really want to give the box set away for free because i feel like that's not gonna no it's book one i gave um, away for free and then and then they yeah i got the reads for for the rest of it so yeah i mean believe me i've tried submitted books one two and three and I even put on the, the, the thing, I'm a USA Today best-selling author, don't you know? And they still go, nah. <laughs> so I wondered if it might be my covers. Because um, for epic fantasy, they really, really like dragons on covers. That converts readers really well, and it converts bookbub really well. So I was wondering if maybe my covers didn't quite nail um, what, what they thought would, would appeal best to their audience. Because obviously, they don't want to just feature a book because it's sold in the past. They want to feature a book that that resonates with their audience so that they, they build the trust and the cre- um, credibility with their own audience. So it's, it's difficult. It's yeah. <laughs> Trying to um, understand what book Bob actually want and then giving it to them um, rather than just going, please feature my book. But in my case, it was crap book covers because my book covers are crap. I, I, I did it as a, <laughs> as a bootstrapping exercise, you know, so I had to cut corners yeah. on the covers just to get the books out. And um, yeah. I, ca- I still cannot believe that they – and I'm getting Stuart Bache covers uh, put on. This, oh, this Envy. That's awesome. And, well, I'm nervous because I'm my six months is up and I'm going to resubmit for the book bub. And what I'm trying okay. to think to myself is now, right, do I go for the covers, the shit covers – sorry, the crap covers, beep, the crap covers yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that, that sort of, you know, shifted 45,000 free copies – uh, on, on the first one yeah. or do i risk changing something in the successful formula you know might might that do better 
or might it do worse with the so I'm uh, who knows I don't know just, just put in the box these are Stuart Bash covers don't you know <laughs> <laughs> well he does lovely covers doesn't he so I'm hoping it's going to work he some does. Stuart Bash yeah. magic on me but yeah. um, but I've had to sell a child Absolutely. to get there so um, yeah, just just look on the BookBub website. It would cost me six hundred and fifty eight dollars to run a ninety nine cents deal. Yeah, yeah, it's it is frightening. It's yes. frightening, but you shift a lot. Uh, the sorry, my other tip is I, I kind of learned a few things from doing BookBub. My other tip with BookBub yeah. is is I was on I was on at the same time as another local author that I know who's with Book uh, with Bloodhound, and um, mm. so on the first day. He was at number one in the USA and everything. He he kind of was ahead of me. I was number two or whatever behind him. Yeah. And then mm. I had a free booksy the day after. And the yeah. free booksy, when he, he went dropping like a stone on day two, it pushed me then yeah. to the number one slot because I had, I call it the one-two one, two <laughs> technique where you have the initial push and then the second push, which, yeah. which just creates a bit more extra wind under, under your wing. So that, that, those are my well, top see, I've, tips. I've heard the opposite. I've heard that you should build up to a book bub. So, because um, there's been lots of issues with rank stripping by Amazon at the moment and basically them just suspending everything, which then completely ruins all your promo efforts. So the best way I've heard is that if you ramp up the traffic and the sales and the reads, when that book bub hits, it's not such an unusual spike that Amazon flag it, thinking it's, you know, fraudulent. Um, and then, so you sort of, and then you can tail off from the book bub, but... Uh, it's really hard to know what's right because it seems that everyone has a different strategy for what works, which is why it's so hard to learn things like promotion and ads because depending on who you talk to, you'll get like 10 different versions of, oh, well, this worked for me. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because I only care about income. So um, um, people sort of think I'm really mercenary. I did a talk for, uh, who was it? Was it Manchester? And it was, oh, the uh, Author Society. Society of Authors, yes, yeah, Society of Authors. Mm. And um, and I was like self-publishing guy in a room of generally yeah. traditional people. And I come over so mercenary in a in a in an environment yeah. like that where okay. I say, Do you know, what? I really uh, and and I I took part in a Twitter thing the other day. It's just very indie author of you. That's the thing. That's that's what makes us different. Money means my mm. books are being read. They're getting yeah. in people's hands, and it keeps a roof yeah. over my head. So. That's- you know, I, I want to produce quality books, but if I don't make money, this is a hobby, not a business. And that really is my bottom line. Yeah, no, and that, that's what the, that's the point I was at last year. It was, you know, I'm putting the work in, but this is actually paying hobby money. Is it worth it? Well, but yeah, we totally agree. Yeah, so so I, I may sound mercenary, but you know, as you know, and you've got another mouth to feed. I got three blooming mouths to feed, and you know, and, and 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 my wife. That if the money doesn't come in, the lights go off, and that's really what it amounts to. And and people yeah. sort of say, "Oh, but my art, love it," and you know, oh, love it. And, and, and well, you I know. can still have the art and the money. This is this is what in it being an indie author is. You can have your cake and eat it. It tastes really good. Yeah, I, I want to produce great books, but I yeah, I'd rather have the money first. That, you know, then yeah. then do the great books because otherwise it's a hobby. I might as well be yeah. um, doing needlecraft. As you know, <laughs> I'd like to see that. <laughs> Part of the self-publishing journeys and needlecraft. But yeah, and no, I totally agree. I I always aim to put out the absolute best quality book I I can because at the end of the day, it's it's a product, and I want my readers to feel like they have found something that is a value added you know it's adding value to them as a product as a book as a story but yeah it's it is one of those things it's you you kind of do need to 
if money's an issue at the beginning, learn to bootstrap it. And there are, there are various indies who do that brilliantly. They manage to put out quality product, products on a budget and then you can scale up your investments. Yeah, which is exactly what I've done with my thriller series. It's made some money. Now yeah. I'm reinvesting it, getting some Stuart Beige covers. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But then you see the other thing is that's allowed me to market test it. So I know, that's what I was saying to you about your box set. You know that sells. You know you've got yeah. a converting product. So now yeah. it becomes a money machine. The more, you know, the more marketing you do, you know you're going to get your money back rather than when you've got yeah. something that you don't know is going to convert. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's like the, this has shown me that actually the audience, it really is there. You know, people are enjoying it. It's getting lots of nice reviews. It's already got. I'm on day 40 now, and it's already got 39 reviews. Well, it, it's taken me nearly a year to get to 50 reviews on, on the first book in the trilogy. So it's like if you the volume of sales is coming in, the reviews are coming in, and they're really positive. So there's, there's clearly scope for more interest in that world. I need to focus more interest in of my writing in that world. You know, um, strategies that I've sort of been picking up on over the last year that would really help was – it's things like writing longer series and, you know, having multiple points of entry. Um, so it's trying to find a balance. You know, I'm thinking about writing various different trilogies or four book or five book series set in this world now to capitalize on read through between series, because I know I've got one product that sells. And if the readers like this series of books, well, they're probably going to like if I write in the same universe, another series of books and vice versa. So, so interestingly, yeah. you, you sent me a little email with your kind of going forward notes here. <laughs> yeah. And um, this is like, this is the kind of amalgamation of the three interviews that we've now done together. <laughs> so so this is like yeah. Meg's success in a box package, right? What, yeah, it's, what it's is it? What's like, in it? <laughs> well, to be fair, if, um, I worked with the, um, like before the last time we spoke, I worked with the Prince's Trust, um, which is a brilliant charity in, in England, which helps young people under 30 get on in life, whether it's uh, through apprenticeships or running their own businesses. So I applied for some of their support to, to help get me set up properly with, with my author business when I went back to my fiction. And as part of that, I got a business mentor, and he's absolutely great. I love him to bits. He always provides really sound advice. Um, he's not an author. He was in finance and stuff. So He's like very clever and he's got a really good business head. And every meeting he tells me off because I'm trying to do all the things. <laughs> and he tries to rein me back. So <laughs> this year is is really trying to be single minded. Um he's he laughs at me now because he's like, I think she's finally got it. She just needs to stop trying to do all the things and just try to do one thing well. And that's what my focus is for this year. It's it's about writing what I love um, um that resonates with my core readers. So it's it's back to the epic fantasy, the stuff that I have already proven that I can sell most out of my backlist. You know, it's not experimenting with co-writing, as I've already said, or hopping into other genres or different projects and all the rest of it. Just writing in that one universe and trying to, you know, do different series, multiple points of entry and, you know, having good covers, blurbs, writing, trying to up my skill on advertising and, and try to make the whole package, but in a very sort of targeted and concentrated way, I guess. Um, I think last year I was probably just too scattered, and it, it, I really just need to focus now, especially with the baby coming. You know, I'm going to have limited time and energy. I need to make sure that I'm working towards something in a really efficient way um, where I can, <laughs> theoretically anyway. Um I might get through two weeks of sleep deprivation and find that I can't write a string of words 
uh, coherent to save my life, but we'll see. <laughs> well, it, it's certainly a great journey, you know, have, having kids. Yeah. And I wish you, you know, all the very best for that because it's, 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 it's a wonderful <laughs> adventure. I'm at the stage now where mine are bigger than me and I can't wait for grandchildren yeah. to come along. So, you know, I, life for kids is lovely. So I hope you enjoy that. And, and oh. you know, it's a fantastic experience um, for you. Very, I'm very, en- <laughs> I'm very envious. It's a lovely stage of life. I know it feels, you know, it's busy and all of that, but it's great. You'll love it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a brilliant experience. Yeah, I just, it, it would, yeah, I miss feeling awake um yeah i miss feeling awake that's that's the one thing that that's the one thing i wish i could have right at this moment in time energy and he's not even here yet um so yeah i do apologize apologize if i sound half brain dead tonight it's because i am spoiler alert i have not slept properly for maybe six of the last eight months and i suspect it's probably not going to be easier so yes i'm looking forward to the fun (laughs) yeah yeah, I think they're called babysitters. <laughs> um, yeah, the kids do sleep. So if anyone wants sleep. a baby for a night, so I can. Yeah, if anyone wants a baby for a night or two or ten, so I can catch up on sleep and and, and write books that make sense, you know, just farming that out there. <laughs> well, I want to congratulate you, number one, on your persistence because blimey, what a journey you've had. I mean, it's been it's great <laughs> charting it and putting it on the podcast, but you know, you, yeah. you certainly have some ups and downs. But goodness me, it's a a great kind of saga yeah. to follow, but I'm I'm so pleased that you've had this fantastic month that it couldn't have come at a better time for you, you know, with with all the life changes you've got yeah. coming your way. So well done for sticking at it. And, well, and hopefully, managing it once I can manage it again. But if I don't, well, you know what? It's served a purpose for now. <laughs> yeah, you can manage it again. You've you've proven that you've got a converting product there now. So yeah. all you got to do is is ramp it up. You know, do more yeah. of it. So. You know, well done. Brilliant. And I just want to wish you all the best when the baby arrives. You'll be the first to hear if I get a book book. <laughs> oh, thank you. And uh, we wish you all the wealth. Don't want me to sign you up for some nappy changes, Uncle Paul. <laughs> I miss babies terribly. I love babies. Uh, and, I, you know, I miss done. my... Yeah, that's a no. That's a yeah. It is. I love babies. Yeah, I do love babies. Um, I I miss. I crave those days when you get tiny little baby and changing the nappies and things. I was very involved with my my kids. I loved every minute of it. So um, uh, yeah, I can't. They never they never did a poonami on you then. Oh, they've done. I've had everything. Don't worry. I've done. <laughs> you just take it with remarkable good grace. I do. I lo- there's nothing like. You wait. There's nothing like the feel of a tiny baby in your hands. And I know it. You know. I know it's not easy. I know it comes. It's. You know. I know there are difficulties and tiredness and things like that. Um. You know. There are challenges yeah. and you feel hopeless and all those things. I know all those things. But there's nothing quite like it. So. Um, you know. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I will. Uh, I will attempt to do that. Yes, the next the next stage is definitely juggling. You know, trying to be the best mother I can with trying to be the best author I can. So we'll see what kind of balance that that brings. Thank you for listening to this week's self publishing journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends, or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.